With expert guest, Dr. Jana Martin, on the clinical consult today, we'll discuss the basics of malpractice liability. Dr. Martin is Chief Executive Officer of the Trust, a longstanding professional liability, financial security, and risk management services firm that's run by and for psychologists, importantly. And also, I'll note that Dr. Martin's background includes prior service as president of the California Psychological Association and APA's Division 42 that's the Division of Independent Practice. And she also brings over 20 years of experience in independent practice herself. What a, what a pleasure to have you here on the show, Dr. Martin. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Daniel. It's a delight for me to be here and to talk a little bit about some coverage and other issues. And of course, I want to put in a disclaimer that while I might make some comments about policies, I strongly encourage consumers to read their own policies in their entirety to make sure that they have a complete understanding of what their policy might say. That's a great point. And that, that does lead me kind of into my first question here pretty naturally. And, you know, I think I want to acknowledge that people generally, in a basic sense, have an understanding of what insurance is. But for my early career psychologists out there, and even for all those doctoral students listening, I want to ask kind of that, that basic question. How essential is professional liability insurance? Well, Daniel, let me start, if I can, with a description of what professional liability is. Sometimes it's referred to as malpractice insurance, but professional liability coverage is designed to protect professionals, of course, like psychologists, against liability that might incur as a result of any alleged errors and omissions in performing their professional services. Now, what does that mean? In other words, it means if a psychologist is alleged to have violated confidentiality, licensing laws, or billing practices, or to have not provided proper care, for example, a professional liability policy will provide legal representation and depending on the type of coverage and provider, a defense. The, the first real step in successfully dealing with a claim is to have an attorney defend you. If you're not insured, it can be stressful finding adequate representation and it can be very expensive to retain your own legal counsel. The costs and stress usually get bigger the longer it takes to defend the claim and we've seen sometimes that it can take months, if not years, for a claim to be fully carried out to an end. And just as a side note, people might be wondering, well, what might those costs be? Well, the cost of just defending a claim can easily range between $15,000 to $45,000, even if you didn't do anything wrong. And that doesn't include any of the expenses resulting from a guilty finding, God forbid, which can range into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So having professional liability insurance can protect you professionally and financially. Your, your point there about these instances when there's concerns about the level of care that was provided, confidentiality, custodial questions, these are all examples I think you cited that are relevant 
to the professional liability coverage that you've described. My, my follow-up though is we're, we're living in this era where there's these rising costs, you know, especially early career psychologists and doctoral students I think can really resonate with that. So what, what, is, the, what is the price point of the professional liability coverage that you're talking about? And I, I appreciate there's, there's probably very different types of coverage that go along with that. Yes, there are. Well, let's start with the student policy. With the trust, a student policy for one year of coverage only costs $35. And that's for a $1 million, $3 million policy. That is very inexpensive for a student. But what if you're an early career psychologist and you're working towards licensure? You can buy what we call a claims made policy for the same limits, $1 million, $3 million, between $75 and $159, depending on the state you live in. Insurance rates vary by regions of the country and are based on actuarial studies and data on how many suits tend to occur in a state and what the punitive damages are. Uh, the rates go up each year in any claims made policy until they cap in either the fifth or the seventh year. The trust policy caps in the seventh year, which means that you save a lot more money. And once you reach about the seventh year, the policy remains pretty level in premium. On average, that rate at the leveling point, again, it depends on the state, tends to be under about $700 but it does depend on a number of, of different uh, kinds of factors. So one of the things that folks often ask me is, well, okay, if it's only $35, does it really cover me in everything that I need? And the answer is, yes, it does. And then one of the other questions I get is, well, okay, do I really, as a student or early career person, uh, am I at any more risk than anybody else. And I think it's important to look at these risks in order to answer the question, is it worth spending that much money? So I'd like, if it's okay, to hit a couple of things that I think are more vulnerable areas for students in early career psychologists. Please do, please. Yeah, so many students and even early career psychologists are gonna be under supervision of some kind, hopefully, for, especially for the students that's required. It's very important for students and ECPs, the early career psychologists, to pay very careful attention to the supervision and licensing requirements and to ask questions and be knowledgeable, for example, about who's supposed to sign the progress notes who submits the billing, and how are services represented and other processes. Sometimes students and early career psychologists don't ask questions, and while it doesn't happen very often, they might be in a situation where they have a supervisor or uh, someone who misdirects them, not intentionally, of course, and they could end up getting themselves into some trouble. It's important for students and early career psychologists to remember that having a supervisor does not protect you from being sued or having a board complaint filed against you. It's your responsibility to know the laws, 
rules, and standard of practice. Hopefully, your supervisor will help you. But we have many cases where a student or early career psychologist may be under supervision of someone and a complaint or a lawsuit is filed and both the supervisor and the student or psychologist are named in the suit. So it's very important in that case to make sure you know what coverage do you have and if, you, if you're wise, in my opinion, you would have your own policy. So that's one of the vulnerable areas. One of the others is that students and early career psychologists are often assigned clients, or if they're trying to build their practices, they might be opening up to some clients who may be of higher risk. And they may not have the experience or the resources to deal with more difficult or challenging patients, and that puts them more at risk. One way to guard against this is to have a consultation group or supervisor as well as other resources. You want to check and see if your malpractice carrier provides risk management consultation services, which are free, confidential, and provided by licensed and experienced psychologists, not just mental health practitioners, but psychologists. Another risk is sometimes students and ECPs may not be prepared to respond to requests for records or requests for letters on the client's behalf when the client is involved in an outside dispute like a custody dispute, an unrelated lawsuit, or a claim for disability or similar benefits. As trained professionals, our first response is usually we want to try to help our clients but once you provide information to a party outside of the therapeutic relationship, you may actually be exceeding your professional competence or crossing boundaries without even knowing it. When students or early career psychologists get a request for records, a report, or a letter, then it's in their best interest to seek consultation to avoid potential legal and ethical pitfalls. And then, of course, as I mentioned about, you might be more at risk for more dangerous uh, patients or clients. There are always clients or patients who may be actively suicidal or who are being abused or neglected. And it always helps to have good resources there because you don't have 10 and 15 years experience or 10 or 15 years of continuing education to get you through those difficult times a bit easier. So those are some of the risks that I think students and ECPs we see um, tend to get uh, more board complaints and lawsuits is in some of those main areas. These are really helpful sort of summarizations of what are the risks or challenges that early career psychologists and in, in many instances doctoral students may also face. I want to bring us back though to kind of a really fundamental point and I'm going to ask this question from a place of, of learning myself. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the basic terminology that comes with professional liability? I've heard words like claims made. I've heard word, the word occurrence. Could you help me just kind of break down what some of those words mean? Of course, and you're not the only one. This is probably one of the most confusing things to people, but hopefully I can explain it in a way so that it's a little bit uh, more easily digested and understood. So let's talk about the difference between claims made or occurrence coverage. 
So let's start with an occurrence policy. An occurrence policy protects you from any incident that occurs when the policy is in force, regardless of when the claim is made against the psychologist. And then it covers those incidents forever. Doesn't matter if the policy is active when the claim is reported. It only matters that the policy was acted, active when the alleged incident occurred. Any services that were provided while an insured is covered with an occurrence policy, they're covered in perpetuity. Uh, so if you're sued many years later for these services, you're still covered. So that's why it's called an occurrence policy. From a pricing standpoint, occurrence policies are more expensive because they provide permanent coverage for incidents that occur during the policy year. A claims-made policy covers you for claims that are made while the policy is active. So claims-made policy premiums are initially a lot less expensive than occurrence policies. But as I mentioned, the rate continues to gradually increase for the trust policy over the next seven years, and then the premium stabilizes. So in summary, with an occurrence policy, the focus is on having coverage when the alleged incident actually occurred or allegedly occurred. With a claims-made policy, the focus is on when the claim is made and making sure that you've renewed the policy or are covered when the claim is made. Now, there's a thing called a tail, uh, which is also known as an extended reporting period. And the tail gets its name because it becomes active after your policy is terminated. Let's say you're retiring or you're no longer going to be in practice or you are going to switch to another policy, another carrier, and you are ending the insurance coverage with the previous carrier. You buy a tail so that if a claim comes in after you've terminated the policy, you're covered for that. Now, with the trust, if you are retiring or disabled or you die, the tail is free. If you are leaving a company and going to another, the premium cost of a tail is about 175% of the last year's premium that you had. But once you purchase the tail, there are no additional costs and you, are, you retain that coverage. Now, to throw in one other little confusing point, potentially, uh, a lot of folks are saying, well, I don't, I'm being told uh, that I don't have to buy a tail when I'm switching my policy from one company to another. They're talking about something called prior acts. And while that is true, you can uh, avoid buying a tail. What folks don't realize is that the coverage for the time period that you were covered by the first company is now going to be covered by the new company. 
and the new company may have different exclusions to the policy. So let me give you an example. Let's say that I'm a psychologist and I work in prisons. That's where I do my work. I do evaluations. I do therapy in prisons, but I'm an independent practitioner. And let's say that I'm with the trust. Well, the trust policy covers you when you practice in prisons. But let's say I've heard that another policy is cheaper and I'm going to go with that policy and I'm not going to buy a tail to cover my time with the trust. I'm going to do prior acts with this new company. And let's say, unfortunately, after I've moved to the new company, I get a claim for the period of time that I was covered with the trust. Well, a new company, and many of them don't, won't cover me because they don't provide coverage for people who work in prisons. In that case, Prior X doesn't help you. Buying a tail does. So did that help any or did I make it more confusing? Well, potentially both. I think I'd lead with, <laughs> it certainly is really helpful. I'm hearing these key words, claims made, occurrence, tail, I mean, these are going to be words that are really vital for early career psychologists and, and doctoral students and folks who are practicing in, in, in most environments to be considering here. But it, it does bring me back to your original point when we opened, which is given this, the nuance of information here, it is really important for people to carefully consider their needs and evaluate different options that, that they may have. And I know that in your role at the trust, that is certainly one option that folks can consider. And there are additional options out there also. And just to kind of, of reemphasize that point, we certainly need to be making kind of these informed choices that are based on our needs and the, the types of practice characteristics that are being displayed. So that, and that's, that's right. incredibly important to hear that. Yes, I, I think that's true. I think there are a couple of things that are important for people to keep in mind when they're buying their first policy, but also when they renew a policy. And, and one of those would be, well, what does the policy cover? You cannot make general assumptions that all policies cover you exactly the same way because they don't. That's why they're different prices. Many times in insurance, you really do get what you pay for. So it's very important, especially for folks who have uh, uh, limited incomes, that they understand that saving money on a policy may be at the expense of proper coverage. So you want to know, what does it cover? Are there any exclusions as to where I can practice and what kind of practice I can have? Can I do uh, evaluations? Can I do prison work? Can I do parent alienation counseling? Those are all questions you want to ask. Can I do telepsychology? The, the trust policy covers all forms of psychological professional practice licensing board, HIPAA, Medicare, Medicaid investigations, employment practice claims, premises liability, depositions. You want to make sure that your policy protects you wherever you deliver services, since some companies do not do custody work, prescriptive authority, or other things. 
You also want to ask, are there added benefits that come with my policy? For example, we referred earlier to uh, risk management consultations and resources. Well, uh, several companies are marketing risk management, but you want to ask further, what kind of risk management is it? Is it free? Is it truly confidential from the people who make decisions about whether my policy is renewed? Also, are the people that I'm talking to psychologists with some legal background? Because if you're coming to them with a clinical issue that you want some help with about receiving a subpoena or a possible complaint, it really does make a difference when you're talking to a psychologist who has his or her own practice too. You also want to ask, do you have options? We just finished talking about claims made and occurrence. Not all companies offer both. The trust does, but not all companies do. Most companies only offer claims made. And then here's another point, and this may be getting into the weeds just a little bit, but it's something to, I hope, bring awareness uh, to students and early career psychologists. Let's say that unfortunately you are uh, alleged to have done something wrong. You need to know in advance when you buy your policy, are the costs to defend you going to diminish the amount of money that's available for damages? In the trust policy, they do not. So your covered defense costs come out of one bucket and the indemnity or damages parts come out of another bucket. And so that's important to know because what if you have a case that goes on for a long time? We've seen defense costs of $300,000, $400,000 in very complex cases. And if you're spending three dollars and $400,000 of your policy on defense costs, and then you're found guilty and you're liable for a million dollars in damages and you you have a policy that 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 takes defense costs out of that total bucket then you are going to have to pay for the rest out of your own pocket and that makes a big difference and then finally you want to ask about what licensing board and defense coverage is there because they're two different coverages so going back to one of your uh, points earlier about, you know, students and early career psychologists have debt, uh, they've got uh, student loans, they've got other uh, costs. Um, what I usually tell, to folk, tell folks is you can't, afford, you can't afford not to have a PL policy, a professional liability policy, because the cost of the premium is significantly less than the cost of your reputation, your livelihood, and legal expenses. Jenna, you currently serve as CEO of the trust. And now that I have you on the episode, I want to make sure that our listeners can get some specific information about what is unique about the trust in this broader world of professional liability. And I know there's, there's different organizations out there too that folks can consider and look at, but could you speak a little bit to the trust specifically and, and what's going to be great for students about the trust? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, uh, the, the trust was created more than 50 years ago by psychologists, and it has been run by psychologists ever since. Not only is the CEO a psychologist, 
but the majority of the board members of the trust are psychologists. We are who we protect. We're clinicians, academicians, researchers, specialists, and we even have a trust student early career psychologist advisory committee. We are endorsed by 47 state psychological associations, and we support them and their members with workshops, sponsorships, and so much more. Additionally, we have mutually beneficial partnerships with others, including the National Register. The trust added risk management and continuing education designed specifically to protect psychologists more than 25 years ago. Whether you're a student or an ECP, as a policyholder, you can call the trust advocate line and consult free and confidentially with a psychologist with legal experience. This program has helped over 80,000 callers navigate tricky legal and or ethical situations, many unique to psychologists and the states in which they practice. Our risk management program is unmatched. But what most folks don't know is that the trust also has many other products to protect psychologists and their families, including life, home, auto, disability, office over overhead, cyber, and even pet health insurance. Our financial security programs cover your entire life, not just your career. We created the Trust Practice and Risk Management Association in 2014 to provide psychologists with educational and supportive services. And with all that Trust Parma provides, we are the new home for practice. The Trust motto is for psychologists, by psychologists, and it resonates in everything we do. Both our insurance and educational programs are trusted by more psychologists than any other provider, and we pride ourselves on being able to support the profession of psychology in ways that no one else can. Certainly a lot to consider here, Dr. Martin, and I'm just so appreciative of your time and insight on today's episode of The Clinical Consult, but we will need to wrap it up from here. I'm Daniel Elkert, thanking our listeners for joining me on today's episode, which has been brought to you by the National Register of Health Service Psychologists. And as always, please note for our listeners that this and all episodes of the Clinical Consult are meant to provide general information only and discussion only, and don't serve as a kind of endorsement or recommendation for any particular product or service.